Good evening. Good evening, Ricky. How yeah. are you tonight? I'm good. I'm it's good. Good. We got a, we got a big crowd here tonight. Um, if you haven't gotten here early, uh, I, I recommend you turn around because there is there's no more seats. No. This place is packed. We'd show you with the camera, but it's just not. It's, yeah. Just can't do that. Yeah. We don't have it. We don't have. We don't, position, we don't have right? that ability. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. Um, <laughs> So I was interested, like on Sunday, um, it was really interesting how everybody was paying attention to the English slang words. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a, I had a bunch of people. Did you guys, and you guys do the English slang words? Um, when I was preaching, you were counting the English slang words? Oh, yeah, okay. You recognized them? Yeah. Yeah, there were seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bob's your uncle, you know. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. So I'm going. I'm looking for suggestions on because it really worked. I mean, people really paid attention because of it. Yeah, and there was some snickering, but you know. Well, some of them you gave away. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because I grinned every time yeah. I said kerfuffle. Yeah. Or because uh, when you say Bob's your uncle, that's usually not something yeah. that comes out in the, you know. And it's Fran's your aunt. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we got a gender correct one there. Bob and and then there was a wobbly. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But yeah, so if you got any suggestions, anybody out there in the internet world, if you would like, I was I'm going to do one where I use all terms of hydrology. You know, I'll use, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, I'll talk yeah. in like physics and I've seen about some others. Um, so my maybe Irish. So you're going to have to have 52 weeks of, of different. Right, right. Like, like Star Wars. <laughs> like I can yeah. do a Star Wars week yeah. where everything that I say will be something that Princess Leah said. Yeah, that would, that, I could do that. Yeah. I think I could. Now, I don't know if you notice. I know some of you are out there. It's, it's like, listen, Paul, this is, these are heavy times. This is not, no time for joke. No, no joke. No joke for you. Can't you know, so it. it's like, uh, I, but my thought is if I can get people just to listen a little bit more, pay attention a little bit more. But I never put the, the British slang words where it got serious. Yeah, you weren't. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't like, let's all close our our eyes and think about the wobblies that you have done today you know bring them before the lord you know bring your wobblies before, before the lord yes <laughs> well yeah. yeah so how are things going in your life good we're you know i oh, drink i drink a little um josh gave me this little um, energy drink packet thing yeah so it's working for taking your kids to work no to like school. before to, do, to get through this day Oh, okay. Let's get to that. Yeah, because we are doing seven up days there, of yeah. prayer. We tried to get home and yeah, getting up at yeah. six o'clock or you know, it's four something. Yeah, from, well, from your house. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Remember to log your overtime. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it for one week. <laughs> yeah, serve Jesus five extra minutes. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know that Scott Silva. Yeah, he wakes up at four every. He's at the gym by four thirty in the morning. 4.30 in the morning going to the gym? To the gym. Well, what time does he have to be at work? After that, I Eight? guess. I mean. <laughs> He's got to go deliver all the packages at Daniel Island. Oh, yeah, yeah. He and did, those he, people he, need it yeah. on time. Oh, yeah. There's those Daniel Island people, they expect their FedEx packages yeah. on time. Yeah. yeah. The window better be mm -hmm. that two hour. 
that's right express window or whatever it is that's right so he's doing but yeah so i can i can do it yeah i told him i was getting up yeah i'm getting 4 30 this week he was like uh that's when i get to the gym so uh-huh. i said oh oh shots fired okay yeah not me man <laughs> not me as long as my pretty wife is at home i'm not going yeah. anywhere oh yeah yeah and I just yeah. no way. So there's more hats than usual this week, you know. Yeah. Because you got. Well, yeah, we weren't wearing hats yeah. at yeah. church. Yeah. Do you know? There's technically, I've been corrected by people. Whenever I, I don't know if you notice that when I get up there, I take my hat off. Yeah. Because there is an obscure scripture, and I think it's in First Corinthians about prophesying with your head covered. Mm. Yeah. And I've had people correct me that you're not allowed to teach or prophesy with your head covered. So I always take my hat off. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that's exactly what he was referring to, uh, yeah. but if somebody has their faith is weakened by me wearing a hat, then I'll take the hat off. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, that's why you'll see me. I'll, I'll have the hat on hiding it and then take it off and my hair sticking up yeah. in all these different places. I just thought you wanted to sh- remind the people of how. The lustrous hair, the gift. How lush the gift yes. is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, most people don't know this, but I'm trying to lose 20 pounds. I'm 15 pounds into it. I got to lose five more pounds. Booyah. If I don't lose another five pounds by Memorial Day when I visit my grandchildren. So you got a week. Yes. I got a week to lose five pounds. They have permission to shave my head. What? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now, let He's- me just say. Spitting and rinsing like there's no tomorrow. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> so you talk about Sansom losing his strength. You're going to find out I have a divot on the right side of my head. Yeah. He's, uh, my head's not round. He's been, he's been lying to So, yeah. So the, it, it's funny when my wife, my wife is not vain. Yeah. She, she always tells me you're just perfect. You don't need to change anything. But when she heard that wager, she, her jaw dropped. The thought of my hair going away. I never realized how important oh. my hair was to my wife. She's like, I have not complained about any part of your body, but if you lose your hair, I'm going to be so upset. I mean, she's like, I'm looking at things in the refrigerator. I'll pull it out to eat. She'll slap it out of my hand. <laughs> Don't you dare. Yeah. No. So, so you're going to get there, step on the scale. Oh, I And you better me. be five times. Yeah, I'll run a f- I'm serious. I'll run five miles. I don't care. <laughs> I'll do it. So I ain't losing my hair. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll wager. As we transition into uh, more serious things, uh, why don't you open us up in prayer? And if you'll do me a favor and just remember the Afghanistan people. Mm-hmm. And uh, because. <laughs> every time. Okay. Every, let me bail. Every time you say it. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me bail him out right now because you're probably wondering oh, we're in the worst goodness. place, worst it's thing horrible. that could possibly yeah. happen. But there is a sitcom called The Office. Yeah. And in The Office, Michael Scott, who's the doofus, he he f- doesn't know that it's Afghanistan. Yeah. So he calls them Afghanis. Yeah. Afghanistanis or yeah. something like that. He gets it all wrong. All wrong. Well, the problem is, is ever since I saw that sitcom, yeah. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> yeah. So when I say the Afghanistan people, <laughs> yeah. he knows he I'm does. going very <laughs> slow know. to make sure I say it right. Right, right. And so uh, no disrespect. Right. No disrespect. That was uh, just. <laughs> but that was just, just want to let you know. Yeah. Yeah, so let's pray for them because yes. of what's going on over there is uh, absolutely wicked, and unfortunately, what we have allowed to happen mm-hmm. to go on over there is wicked. Yeah. So. Lord, we do come um, on their behalf tonight. Of all the people Sorry. of Afghanistan, I pray that, Father, I know that you're an ever-present help in time of trouble. I know that you are peace to them. 
to those who put their trust and their faith in you. And Lord, I just pray for them this evening. You give them strength. You give them your peace, O Holy Spirit. God, it's it's sobering to sit where we sit tonight with so much, um, just the freedoms that we have and all of the things that we can so easily take for granted and we see that happening across the world just so wicked and so evil. And it really is sobering to be able to sit in these chairs and be able to have these kind of conversations and be able to have so much freedom and so many things given to us. And God, I just want to remember them tonight, that Lord, you would just be with them, that you would comfort them, that you'd be their strength and you'd be their song, that you'd be what they cling to in this dark hour that they're walking through. God, we pray for, uh, I mean, it's kind of a divine intervention into this situation to the power of your name, Lord. The strongholds would be broken, that there would be hearts penetrated by only a work that you can do. God bless our conversation tonight. Thank you that you're here with us now. We love you. Amen. You know, it actually kind of goes with what we're doing. We've been talking about learner, mm-hmm. lover, and now we're moving into leader. Yeah. And what we're seeing happen in, in Afghanistan is a vacancy of leadership. And... Um, what I think most people don't realize is that if the same kind of vacancy of godly leadership happened in the United States, I think we saw it two years ago, a year ago, with the race issues, with COVID, uh, with the political issues, that America would not be far behind. Yeah. And, um, but when people who are capable of leading step back from their leadership, um, you know, like I said, I, I'm all for getting our military out of there, but it appears that the way that we've exited is not the right way. Mm-hmm. And um, so today we're going to be starting our part on leadership. And we think about leadership in a lot of different ways. We think about it in business, military. We think about it in sports, mm-hmm. in church, in family. But at the root of the life of Christ emerges an objective to help lead people in. And I think it's giving them something to believe. Mm-hmm. And I would think that would be really difficult now if you're in... Afghanistan is is just finding something to believe or yeah. or to now believe in maybe the generosity of the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, I would even think, I mean, I'm just chasing this out that if I'm in South Korea, I'm wondering, will the Americans leave us? Or if mm-hmm. I start thinking about Taiwan and Hong Kong and China making moves into those particular areas, you all of a sudden lose a sense of confidence of leadership in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, that happens in a church. It happens in a family. It happens with dads. It happens anywhere when leadership vacates its, its calling mm-hmm. to give people something to believe in. And so everybody around us, whether it's our wives, whether it's our kids, whether it's um, employees, they need something to believe in. So um, that's what we're going to be focusing on tonight is what are we giving the people around us, our immediate circle of influence, what are we giving them to believe in? Mm-hmm. Um, so for a lot of us, though, it's, it's hard for us to think that we have the ability to lead. So we, in America, we've kind of t- turned it into a temperament. If you're kind of aggressive, A-type personality, I know in football they talk about being the alpha mm-hmm. in the huddle or in the locker room, yeah. you know, which can just convert into being the jerk or the yeah. pushiest person. But 
Um, a lot of us just don't feel that we have leadership ability based upon those criteria. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we focus on our, our past. Mm-hmm. You know, having been somebody that's been divorced and remarried, um, it, you know, I really had to work through, can I be used as a pastor because I've had this, this you know, past of addictions or um, the problems that I've had in my life? And that's one of the reasons why I'm upfront about those issues in my life from what I've experienced. Mm-hmm. And people, some people I know will be like, well, you don't deserve to be a pastor because you've had one failed marriage, you know, 35 years ago and uh, you struggled with porn or you, you used to do drugs or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and if that was the case, and if that really was what defined perfection, defined leadership, then you're right, I would be disqualified. But I love it is that that's not what defines biblical uh, leadership mm-hmm. and so today many of us feel amazingly unqualified to lead and a lot of times it's because of our past mm-hmm. but what we're going to find out today is that you know well how do i lead or what am i supposed to give them um just something to believe if you've got something you believe in and you, you believe in that Giving somebody else something to believe is a very powerful influence that you can uh, give them. Mm-hmm. But not just the information of the belief. Not just about, well, you know, I believe the Bible. But I, I think leadership involves communicating the path of belief, the example of belief, and the benefit of the belief. That's leadership. So it's not just one thing. It's, it's kind of like, you know, just showing like, well, how did you get there? That We call that our testimony. Mm-hmm. Is that this was the path to belief. And then the other part is the example of that belief. Am I living out a Christ-like life? That w- giving them something to believe is the same thing that I'm showing that I'm believing in. And then the other thing is the benefit of the belief. How is my life better than not having this belief? You know, that's a big challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, especially when I'm dealing with successful people, people who are making good money, they maybe are a doctor or somebody of an entrepreneur or somebody of influence, and, and they're like, well, I don't believe in God. How How is your belief system? Yeah, you were a loser. You, you dropped out of college. Yeah, you were divorced. Yeah, you needed a crutch. Um, so it's, it's really important that we give them the path of belief that is right and also the benefit of that belief what do i have that makes um that belief desirable Mm -hmm. to other people what do you what would you think the average christian has to offer to somebody well you've got the you've got the keys and the and the all the information that you need in the scriptures to have a great marriage yeah great family life raise good children yeah to be um you know, Christians should be the most joyful people, should right. be the most hopeful people, um, kind people. Yeah. So there's all that stuff in there yeah. that you have to offer, and that stuff speaks through actions and right. more than words. Yeah, I think one way that you can lead people is to show, is self-forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean self-forgiveness in the context of having been forgiven by God, and therefore you now have the right to forgive yourself. Yeah. I think... When I look at people of all levels, and I don't care, I've seen everybody at every success level, that nobody gets so far away from themselves that they don't need to be led on how to deal with themselves. 
how yeah. to deal with their egos, how to deal with their failures and their mistakes in their past. Uh, and, and the more I see people who tend to be more materialistically successful, you can almost just turn around and say, okay, let, let's take a look at their relationships because I'll probably find maybe a highly successful multi-corporate uh, business dad type uh, probably has a wayward child someplace, a mistake in parenting or a couple marriages that haven't worked out because choices had to be. I see that in pastors. Mm -hmm. I mean, have we ever wondered why pastors' kids go bad so often? I mean, it's kind of a joke. Yeah, they became like, oh, you're a PK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you always hear stories of pastors who lose their kids. Mm -hmm. And you, you got to wonder why. I think personally, fundamentally, that there was a leadership crisis, that they were not able to convey what they believed at home, mm -hmm. that maybe they got wrapped up in the job. You it know? became a performative thing they did on Sunday. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and the kids knew it was a uh, performance. Mm -hmm. It's like, I know you, don't really, you and mommy don't really go for walks. I know you and mommy don't have coffee right. every yeah, morning. Oh, yeah, yeah. All those little metaphors and analogies and stories you're telling, you got them out of a book. You didn't get them out of your mm -hmm. real life. We never saw you pray. We never saw you say, I was sorry to mom. Mm -hmm. and, and so, yeah, I think, um, show, I think being an example, even in failure, is probably the most powerful thing. Mm -hmm. now, very rarely do I hear somebody that comes up and says, Paul, I stayed here because your teaching is magnificent mm. or your comedy uh, is just perfect yeah. um, your voice your use of british <laughs> slang is impeccable <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but no I, I never had that i think people are like you showed me that i can fail and still be used by god mm -hmm. now that's not the one that you kind of go home and honey guess what <laughs> They just said they're following me because I'm such a loser. Because no, I'm a failure. Uh, it's like uh, I sucked so bad that they say, well, if God could use him, he could use he me. He could use me. I, yeah. guess, I guess I'm okay with that. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of Bible characters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we get all puffed up in, in leadership uh, because we think it's like an affirmation of us. Ooh, I got picked to be a leader. And in America... We love leadership roles because being a leader tends to mean that you're better than somebody else. You're in the lead. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're in first and everybody else is a loser. Yeah. And like I said, you know, when I hear it in the NFL and it's like being the alpha guy, you know, in the room and always striving to be the alpha guy, it, it really sounds like what we see in the in the animal kingdom going on you know yeah like, a, like with dogs yeah with dogs or apes Damn. or moose and <laughs> or, or, is it meese is <laughs> no, there more mo than one moose no it's meese? moose i just never thought about moose yeah no being dominant I, no you need to watch those um videos on uh national geographic oh, yeah i mean where they're clanging into oh, each yeah, other oh, yeah. and they're like yeah. you know busting each other's heads and but we we have a lot of names for the person who's the leader mm -hmm. um have you ever heard the big coon Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah because, so it's a big Kahuna. Um, yeah, the boss lady. Yeah, I used to, it was boss man the last time boss I wrote man, this. Yeah. but when I was reviewing my notes, I'm like, I'm gonna throw a lady in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a new America. Got women are in leadership. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, the big cheese. Yeah. How about that next one? Yeah, head honcho. Yeah. Yeah. Or the big wig. Yeah, big wig. I don't know where that came from. I wonder if that's an English. That's definitely yeah, English. The etymology of, the, of that. Yeah. If somebody online 
could if you could do me a favor and google the the etymology um and you say well that's that's mis- that's bugs no that's entomology but if you'd look up the <laughs> etymology of big wig i bet you it's a guy with a wig well because yeah they had their those long white wigs yeah. or the ones that had the ponytails like in hamilton th- those kind of things do you think the wigs were bigger depending on your position i think i think i would yeah i would think so wow Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I never you, noticed that you, before. I'm trying to think of like in uh, Continental Congress, yeah, how they're, how they're sitting there, and so they have like wig envy. Oh yeah, I mean that's <laughs> look crazy. at that wig. <laughs> Do you know where the origin of the British uh, um, system using the, the wigs came from? Yeah, it's in the book of uh, the Revelations mm. when the description of Jesus being the judge coming on the horse, he has hair is white. That's mm. where they pull it from. And that's, that's why the judges all have white hair. Mm. Now, why it ends up in a ponytail, I think that's a Steven Seagal influence. You know, so yeah, that, I know. Jesus I, coming back. <laughs> in a man bun? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, I don't know about that. But really, leadership is not about having control over people. Yeah. I also think people use leadership to protect themselves from people hurting them. Oh, so yeah. that I'd rather be in charge. I, and I have to say, I do this when I drive. For some reason, I don't really believe anybody else. I mean, I mean this. I really don't believe anybody can drive as good as I can. <laughs> I'm telling you. I had this buddy, <laughs> I really I had, believe this. Had this buddy that uh, uh, Chris, and I don't, I don't know if he listens or not, but he was an Air Force pilot, flew yeah. C, C-140s or 141s. Yeah. Uh, C-130s, yeah. And then he became a FedEx pilot. But I'll tell you what, he had this, uh, I don't know if it was a Crown Vic that he'd drive. But when he would talk, the whole time he would stare at me while he was driving, he'd have his head turned, you know? So the whole time his head's like that. Wow. And I would get like nervous and I'd be like, yeah, but Chris, you know, and I'd point forward to the like the bumper that's right in front of us. He would never, I'm like, my goodness, man, how often do you use autopilot on an airplane? For, I mean, he scared the heck out of me. There is, okay, I'll tell you how bad this is. I did a mountain bike race. In that mountain bike race, I fell off a cliff and I broke five bones in my back, okay? <laughs> oh, man. Um, and uh, so I let my wife begin driving back from Asheville to Charleston. My back was screaming at me. I tried to lay down, but she, she kept on pulling up to somebody and then stopping and take, turn off the cruise control and then going back again. And then I'm like, I can't take it anymore. Pull over. You know, this was before I received the Holy Spirit. And uh, I drove home with my elbow swollen up and five bones broken in my oh back my because I had to be in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, is it because it was just because I was afraid she was going to kill me? I mean, it's just because of fear. Yeah. So um, I know a lot of people think about being a boss one day. Hey, one day I'm going to be a pastor. And I, and unless God's called you to that, I would just kind of lose that one. Or I want to be the boss or I want to run my own business. And we think that that's the ultimate sense of fulfillment. But what we're going to find out is that when it comes to living in Christ, leadership is all middle management. Mm-hmm. We're never completely in charge. You know, I'm a middle manager of God's vision into people's lives. I'm not in charge at Crosstown. I am just the middle manager between 
God and and other people in their relationships. So, and I think everybody's a middle manager. I think every dad's a middle manager. Mm-hmm. I don't think kids turn against God because God in his leadership failed them. I think it's the middle management where the Christian church fails. It's it's at the mom dad level. It's at the husband wife level. I think it's at the parent level that leadership breaks down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always want to talk about the visionary at the top of the chart and being that person. Mm-hmm. But no, it's, it's got to be somebody that connects the vision with reality. It's got to be somebody that knows the architect as well as the engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, Randy does some construction work and can build just about anything. And you got to have somebody on the ground that can roll out those blueprints and actually look at them and say, okay, here's the code on this. They want this electrical going through here, and we need a conduit there and plumbing. But it needs to be talking into the language of that the person that's actually going to do the job, they can't read. They can't read the blueprints mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. And I find that as a Christian, we're kind of in that place where we, un- we know the heart of the architect, but we're also helping people build lives that they don't know the scripture and they may not even know the architect and we're trying to communicate to them what the vision of God is for their, for their lives. And without somebody to speak that language, somebody to, uh, that understands the leader, and the visionary and the person who's gonna execute it, uh, the business fails. Mm-hmm. So do you remember a story where God is talking to Moses he tells Moses and Aaron what their organizational function is going to be. Um, and I don't mean to put you on the spot because it's not in our notes. But do you remember some point where he talks about the organizational function of how that whole relationship, how Moses' job is going to operate? Do you remember? Yeah, I know Aaron's going to speak for him. Yeah. Because Moses was worried about his stutter. Right, right. Or whatever he yeah. had, his impediment. Yeah. And so God's going to come. God's going to talk to Moses. Right. And Moses is going to, how's it work after that? Yeah. Well, go from yeah. Moses to Aaron, then Aaron's going to communicate to the people. Right. So right. basically yeah. you got this team of uh, Moses and Aaron working together. So we can almost call them like both their middle management. Yeah. But he tells them, you will be God word for the people and people word for God. You know, so it's like you're going to, and that's what we are. We are God word for people and we're people word for God. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that speak hope into other people. Ministers, I know you love that verse. What's that one? We are, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. 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 I mean, where's that at? (laughs) It's like Corinthians. I think it's someplace. Anybody out there know where that is? We really know where it is. No, I don't think so. To us, he's given us the ministry. Uh, Comfort one another with the comfort with which you've been comforted with. and um, Uh Yeah, something like that. It's it's in the Bible. Yeah, Yeah, it is Paul. It is Paul. See, I know some of you are like, well, how am I, why am I listening to this Bible program when this guy doesn't know exactly where it's in the Bible? I'll tell you what, I, it's in here. Yeah. I got it. And I know it's in there. I just yeah. don't know the numbers. Yeah. I, I never knew the numbers. But Second Corinthians? I think it's like in Second Corinthians someplace. Yeah. Uh, Second Corinthians um, it's coming. 5, 18. I, it's coming to me right now. Yeah, Second Corinthians, um, definitely Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians five eighteen. Uh, I'm sorry, say that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little earphone here, getting a little help from the Holy Holy Spirit. Um, but but uh, 
so the whole idea of the vision caster connecting to the reality makers and that's mm-hmm. where we are mm-hmm. and that's where moms and dads are and that's where husbands and wives are husbands connect their wives to cherishing wives connect their husbands to to honor um and we fill up those love tanks in each other mm-hmm. it's really powerful how, how do you think you this role plays out with you and your boys well, I, it's it plays lots of different ways, but there was I think in parenting them, I have the principles of scripture. I know that, like for instance, not to exasperate them, yeah. I need to train them up the way they should go. Yeah, I need to all all these little verses and tidbits here that I have through scriptures that come um, in various circumstances throughout the day, mm-hmm. but most of it comes through <laughs> the Holy Spirit and asking Him. Like yeah. I think we talked about it a little bit last week. Yeah. In the morning, give me insight to what they need. Mm-hmm. Even if it's in a problem, a situation, help me to be what they need today. Yeah. For when, whatever they encounter. Um, and so that's kind of how I, I put it through there, that filter mm-hmm. as best I can. Yeah. And their concept of God is yeah. really, I mean, a little kid's concept of God is as cute as can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, Today, I was watching Ireland in the morning, and I, she was, I had her, and she was laying down, and she was going to sleep, and so I was telling her Bible stories, and I just telling them from memory, and I said, and Jesus was walking down the street, and, and then I, she had her eyes closed, and she said, street, and there was a little man named Zacchaeus, and she was like, Zacchaeus? And he went out on the limb of a tree. She said, tree. And everything I said, she was repeating like the last word of it. It's absolutely beautiful. She has no idea uh, of, of the story. She doesn't even know who Jesus is. She just hears him talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. And that when she gets a boo-boo, she hears about Jesus. When we, thank, when we get food, we thank mm-hmm. Jesus. And, and, but that's middle management. Mm-hmm. It, it's speaking a language because I know who this Jesus is. I am now speaking that language to her that she can understand. And, mm-hmm. and it's great because when she comes over and we start to pray, she will start to pray. And it means that I know that her mommy and daddy have middle managed prayer into her life. Mm-hmm. Whenever you tell her she's going to go to sleep, she'll lay down and she'll start, she'll start praying a, a prayer. Big Papa, Susu. I'm like, what is she talking about? She's like, she's praying for us. Yeah. Because Deanna and Brian have middle managed this concept to her. Yeah. So, and, and, and we need to realize that most of us are working with people who, uh, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. They don't know Bible stories. We don't live in that culture anymore. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only picture of God will they'll get will be how we treat them Mm -hmm. that's leadership yeah i try to let them know every day as best i can that i love and enjoy them yeah just as you know yeah being affectionate towards them those kind of things believing in them yeah also not letting everything be easy for them things like that you know just things you're trying to teach them not to do but definitely the most important ones that i love and enjoy them yeah Every day. i mean you can't pray the our father unless your father has actually communicated that it's a safe prayer to pray because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have been molested by their father or abused by their father. So I, and I remember my, my uh, brother 
when he was dying. I asked him if he loved uh, God, and he said, no. He said, I hate God. And then I asked him, uh, do you love Jesus? And he said, yeah, I do love Jesus. Uh, he's my savior. And uh, I thought that was really interesting, but then I realized he had a father concept problem. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd experienced some things from Catholic priests who were called father. And, you know, at that time in our lives, my dad wasn't a very nice person, but yet he was highly religious. So the concept of fatherhood was miscommunicated to him. So he needed to find somebody else that communicated divine love, and he found it in Jesus. That's what incarnation is. It is Jesus. I mean, everybody needs to know that God does not speak Hebrew in heaven. I mean, we think that he exported the Hebrew language, that God spoke at first and then everybody else picked it up and because that's what was written in the Bible and that he spoke. He didn't speak Hebrew. People spoke Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So he spoke in whatever tongue they spoke in. I don't know what language is God's native language. I mean, well, I, would, I guess I do know what his native language is. His native language is the second person of the Trinity. The second person is the word of God. Word, yeah. So his native language is so accurate and succinct. It is a person. It's not just a word representing an idea. It is the embodiment of idea. It's the second person of the Trinity. So Jesus comes so that everybody will know God knows your language. He knows your pain. He knows your suffering. He knows your rejection. He knows your failures. And he hasn't given up. That's middle management. When you see Jesus on the cross, what a picture of middle management. Mm -hmm. You know, you have God the Father, you have Jesus on the cross, and you had a us sinners at the cross and and um at the foot of the cross and you had this picture of him interceding for us that's middle management Mm -hmm. in america we don't want to be middle we want to be the big kahuna Mm -hmm. but rather we're called to middle manage Mm -hmm. so um i think even the church has done a bad job at this too oh yeah remember lions and turkeys and that whole whole thing yeah i hope they've pulled that i hope so i hope so too yeah so it's not it's not just the secular world that's done a little bit of a misunder miscommunication misunderstanding of this idea. Yeah, it's been the church as well. And 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 what Ricky's referring to is that there was a leadership management style that was propagated in the '90s mm-hmm. and into the two th- early 2000s. I would say that, uh, and I remember it that being taught this, reading the books by this. Uh, I, I won't name him yeah. because he may have recanted. Yeah, but. Uh, that you had to figure out who were the turkeys in your church and the eagles in your church. Eagles, not lions, yeah. 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 And so you, uh, sorry, turkey. Ow. <laughs> yeah. Man, he didn't even get the metaphor didn't right. Get <laughs> Definitely a Man, turkey. It's, it's the animal kingdom. <laughs> uh, but seriously, we were supposed to identify in the church who the, who the eagles were. They were the ones that you spent time with, that you brought over to your house, that you invested in, that you brought into leadership class, that you, that you discipled. And then you identify the turkeys. They're the ones that are going to waste your time. They're not going to take any of the load off of you. You're always going to be bailing them out of jail and you know, <laughs> going over and talking them out of killing themselves and all that stuff. And you, you didn't waste your time with it. You, you had to focus on the eagles in your organization. I mean, that might be the most devilish concept i have ever heard but in the in the 90s and early 2000s that was the thing is find out who the all the sharp people are in your church mm-hmm. and but yet who are the sharp ones out of the 12 disciples 
I think the only sharp one was probably Luke. Well, he wasn't one of the 12. Oh, he wasn't one of the 12? No, no. He might have slipped in there afterwards. Matthew they were getting Mark killed off. Jones. He might have moved yeah. in just taking a spot there. Turkey strike yeah, number two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, uh, I'm going to ask uh, Liz if you could come up to this mic over here. I would appreciate it. Um, oh, gets a book of the Bible, but not as one of the 12. Man. Judas was probably Judas the sharpest is, yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, he was probably the, the most savvy business-wise. <laughs> Remember, he was the one that complained about the usage of the money. Yeah. And about the feeding the poor and also was trying to get Jesus to do certain things at certain times. Yeah. He kind of knew the American Management Association concept of how to move yourself, how to influence people, how to use your money to network and all that other stuff. And he's the guy that ends up betraying Jesus. Yeah. The other turkeys, and they were all turkeys. <laughs> yeah. They were all fishermen. And, yeah. um, and isn't it crazy that God, it tells us in Corinthians, that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Mm -hmm. So it tends to make me think that if you're looking for somebody that's going to astound the world around them, find a f fool who gets filled with God and everybody will be astounded. Do you remember that time that it occurs in the book of Acts? This is your last shot. <laughs> Strike, <laughs> okay. three. Strike three. Might be we are coming, reading folks. the same book, right? <laughs> okay. John and Peter get arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin. Yeah. And they talk to the Sanhedrin. Do yeah. you remember what the response of the Sanhedrin was about John these are, Peter? Uh, these are uneducated men. <laughs> exactly. They were amazed yeah. <laughs> that they could not be refuted. They, that the power that was moving in their lives to heal the man... Mm -hmm. Uh, and but the fact the backdrop was done that I know these guys are turkeys, yeah. but they just did something amazing is what astounded them. So, mm -hmm. um, incarn that's really is 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 that where that in go between, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, let me show you a, a a story where this kind of leadership idea and you may be familiar with the story, but it, it's it's really interesting to use it this way. But uh, I think it speaks. Why don't, you, why don't you read it for us? It comes out of Luke 11, verse 5 through 10. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on the journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Okay. All right. So it's really important that we, we communicate. There's three people involved in this story. You tend to think he's going and talking to somebody, and... These two guys have a conversation. So you tend to think there's only two people in the story, but there's three people in the story. Okay, so we've got uh, um, the friend that comes and needs the, the mm -hmm. loaves, goes to his other friend, the second character, and that guy goes to, the, to this other guy mm -hmm. who apparently must have bread. Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Okay. So what we have in this story is the playing out of the leadership structure that all of us experience on a daily basis. There's the guy, friend number one, guy with the bread. Friend number two, guy asking for the bread. Guy, uh, friend number three, um, guy on the journey needing the bread. Mm -hmm. So we've got friends here, but here's the interesting thing. They're not all friends. We've got three friends. It doesn't mean they're all friends. 
just the middle guy is friends with the guy with the bread. He's also the guy with friends with the guy who has the need. Mm -hmm. That's where we are. We're friend number two. Mm -hmm. We know the God who can supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. But we are also the people who encounter people who are broken every single day. We are the friend knocking on the door on behalf of a friend who has a need. Mm -hmm. So who is the leader in this story? This is really an interesting thing. Who would you think is the leader in this story? I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. I mean, before you spoil it for me and give me an answer here, but. No, it's got to be the guy with the stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. that's the American thing. And yeah. I appreciate you yeah. help me with that. <laughs> um, as Americans, we would assume the guy with the stuff, the guy with the bread is the leader. See, that's why, and I'm going to tell on churches, that when you look at a church and a lot of churches, deacon boards, elder boards, and whatever they tend to be in america they tend to be businessmen who are highly successful they're usually not the most godly men but a lot of churches will fall through the old paradigm that if he's really good at business he must be good for the church and that's not the case just because you got a rich man who runs you know he can run starbucks doesn't mean he's qualified to be an elder or a deacon in a church but a lot of times we think that whoever has the most stuff must be the leader of society. And that's not the case. Having money or stuff does not make you a leader. Conversely, and this is really important to pick up, not having money doesn't make you not a leader. We would think, well, I would do more if I had more. It's like, no. The guy number two here, the guy in the middle management position, he doesn't have anything. He's going to use his influence to get this guy to give it to this guy, though this guy doesn't even know this guy. He's going to use his influence, his middle management position. And so a lot of us pull out of leadership because, well, I don't have my degree. And that's bothered me, I have to admit. In fact, you know, I've been pastor of Crosstown now. Uh, matter of fact, this year, celebrating 25 years. Okay, love just... Bow, 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 bow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... You should have somebody like walking in the door with, we want to give you this. You're like a Hall of Fame inductees you, yeah, guy. Yeah, if you coming. walk out to your new boat, yeah, look to yeah. the back of your... Let me just say, I, I don't say that so that anybody can give me anything for it's been 25 years, yeah. but let me just be very clear. If you do think of doing something... Yeah. Do not buy me a trip to Israel. <laughs> I just want to be very clear. I don't want to go to Israel. Never have wanted to go to Israel. Do not. Everybody thinks a pastor wants to go to the Israel. Go yeah. to Israel. Yeah. I do not want to go to Israel. I have. I don't like it. I don't want to be there. I'm a Gentile. I was born a Gentile. I don't. I'm gonna die a Gentile. Yeah. If you want to send me over to Ireland, send me to Ireland, but keep me out of. Jerusalem. <laughs> uh, now the New Jerusalem, I'm totally into oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just but, the old one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I, I say that I kind of we we tend to think that if you don't have power, if you don't have stuff, you're not a leader, uh-huh. and that's that's not the case. We're middle management. Yeah. Where our job is to connect. We know who's got the grace, and we know who needs the grace. Yeah. And our job is to make the connection. And, and put these two people together. I think it's, I just thought about this. I think it's interesting the term that's used a lot today about people that are influential, as they call them, influencers. Yeah. Companies put them as middle people between themselves and their buyers. So you get somebody that's really popular to push your product as mm-hmm. a middle person between. Yeah. So I, it's, I just thought it just correlates to even that because 
I don't want to steal your line, but no. it's in all caps afterwards. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, a- absolutely. That's exactly right. Um, affluence does not equal influence. Mm-hmm. So you may not have a lot. You may not be, you know, a doctor and you may not be, uh, you know, some great entrepreneur. But that's not, that's not who this guy is in the story. Yeah. This guy is friend of friend number one and friend number three. And that's, that's, that's his affluence. Mm-hmm. And isn't that something we should be having in other people's lives? It's the affluence of compassion, love, friendship, truth. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I absolutely love this story. So the leader in this is the friend who goes to the friend for the help of another friend, not the guy with the stuff. So, um, knowing the one who does have the resource, and I think we all know God, and then walking in relationship with those who need God, that makes you the leader. Mm-hmm. So, I, I love it how Jesus is connecting us to the Father. What a beautiful thing. So, and, and here's the other thing. He never pretends to be the bread guy. It, it, it's not like the, the first guy the guy goes to the guy with bread and says, yeah, can you give me some bread? And then gets this power of influence or affluence and then makes this guy ask for his, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to get the stuff, mark it up another 10% and I'm going to, you know, it's kind of like whenever we have a hurricane around here, all of a sudden all the stores will jack up the prices of generators. will you know, like double the price of gasoline will go up. And it's like everybody sees an opportunity that there's going to be a friend in need. So therefore I will raise the price indeed. You know, it's <laughs> I will like fill my trash bags, fill with gasoline oh, oh, and put them in my trunk. Oh man, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> I love it. But he never pretends he's the bread giver. He mm-hmm. just connects the two of them. To, so we connect people to Christ and we are giving people something to believe Mm -hmm. and i love the three things to believe in god to believe that he values their lives and to believe that he has a purpose for their lives you don't have to get all the theology right those are the things i mean uh right now i've kind of moved into grandparenting mode Mm -hmm. and i'll see my grandkids in um what they call it uh labor day weekend Mm -hmm. and I realize that it's not just a time for me to like be on vacation. I know I've got three days of influence in their life where, you know, Papa is, you know, fun. Papa is truthful. Papa is kind. Papa honors Jesus. I want them to see that in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so as you get a little older, you start to realize that amount of time shrinks a little bit. And you realize that, I mean, I hate to be morbid, but... How many, how many turkeys yeah. you going to eat? Yeah, okay. So Before, yeah. here's what I'm figuring out. 20. 20. I got 20 more turkeys than me. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but I'm 62. My goal is 82. So, oh, you're going to live way past 82. Why? 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 <laughs> what am I going to do then? You know? Am I going to go out for a new sport? Uh, I, I mean, maybe it's fun at 82, but, you know, 82... I mean, that, I would consider myself incredibly blessed. Mm-hmm. You would have um, outlived the average. Yeah, yeah I, sure. that's, that's higher than the average. Yeah, yeah the average that's what dropped. I mean. Yeah, it's you like would have outlived 74 it. now is dropping down for men. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of dropped down. Yeah. But uh, I don't want to outlive 
my influence. Mm-hmm. That's the worst thing is to outlive your influence or you outlive it and you start sucking it back. You start depreciating your influence in your life. Yeah. You don't end well. Yeah. So yeah, I got, it may sound morbid, I got 20 more turkeys. I will, I will go to a Christmas lot um, 20 more times to buy a Christmas tree. Now, that's really weird to think of that number. I could probably, I only eat like three Big Macs a year. So you worked, I, I'm only going to eat 60 Big Macs in the rest of my life. <laughs> you say, well, that's such a morbid thing to think about. It's like, no, it just makes me realize that every moment matters. Mm-hmm. Is that my influence has got to be at its peak level. Yeah. And, and I don't, but here's the thing. It's no different for you because you only have, you only have 16 turkeys mm-hmm. left before your kids are gone. Yeah. All right. So you only, you only have six more turkeys when they call you daddy. Yeah. Okay. You'll become dad. Yeah. Then the old man. And then <laughs> you old man that I got to get the heck out of here. You know, <laughs> they start calling yeah. you things like Biff. Yeah. You know, right. Um, right. right. It's a good movie. But, but yeah, but every, everything is like, we got to realize that our, our, we have a time period of influence and we got to use mm-hmm. that influence in our lives. Mm-hmm. So we got to help them discard any lingering doubt about their concept of God. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. I don't have to answer every question, but just enough to help them not doubt anymore mm-hmm. about God. Mm-hmm. That lingering doubt. Have you ever had a lingering doubt about God? From No, I mean, I'm sure. Let's get honest here, folks. No. <laughs> no I, really, I mean, because no. it's not no. everybody's problem. No, some I of mean, us have it and some of us don't. No, I'm, I haven't. I mean, personally, had a, where it's like this, I've wrestled with things about yeah. it, you know, from you talking about why do bad things happen to good people, those kind of things, yeah. those things, but never really where it's like a, a, an overall doubting God. Right. Never. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and so I've gone through that period, mm-hmm. and I've gone through that period while being the pastor of this church. It was about the first five years of my <laughs> 20 years. Right. No Jerusalem. No Jerusalem. <laughs> Cannot. Do not be, send me to Jerusalem. <laughs> Cannot be okay, more clear. But, but my kids saw me go through mm-hmm. resolving my doubts right i think i think all my kids know that i i did the homework yeah. i mean i looked into the science i looked into the philosophy i looked into the scriptures and it was like okay i i have got to get rid of this lingering doubt mm-hmm. it was almost like i can't live with this it was killing me yeah the only period where i entered a little bit of my kids weren't alive yet because it was when we were trying to have kids yeah that's when it and it was in the hardship yeah that's when it was that wow, this is, you've got to be real to me. Yeah. And I got to figure out how that happens. Yeah. And working through it in that way. So I think Kelly probably saw it and I saw it in her as well, but I think that's, that's probably the time when it would have been. It's when it ha- all it happens for all of us. Yeah. We, it's not hard to believe in God when everything's, everything's going great. Going, yeah. But I, I think a leader is somebody who exemplifies the process of removing lingering doubt. Mm-hmm. Letting your kids, letting your friends, let your unbelieving friends know Okay, I got yeah. I don't, I don't know how the whole world flooded. Uh, oh yeah, that that was a question that came up at dinner the other night. Yeah, so, I, I don't, I don't know. know how the whole world flooded. I mean, from a scientific standpoint, I just don't know. You know, I used to think that 
all the water from the flood is actually in the polar ice caps, and that's why the seas are rising, uh -huh. and that they'll eventually rise to the same level they were in Noah's day. Um, and that uh, the centrifugal force of the earth drew all the water back off. And that was a pretty nice idea until yeah. I find out that the physics of it didn't really work out too much. <laughs> um, and, and, and then it's like, well, what about the geological record and carbon dating? Is it reliable? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, we, we really don't know. And so there were times when I really wrestled with that. Then it's like, well, does it have to be a everywhere flood? Could it have been a localized flood? Mm -hmm. I mean, he wasn't writing the story about all people. He was writing the story retrospectively about Adam and Eve and then getting to Israel and then getting to Christ and getting to us. Mm -hmm. He wasn't writing about people living in the Himalayas. He was writing about his first man and the, and, and the genealogy of that and, and all this other stuff. So, so I had to wrestle with that. And my kids saw me wrestle with that. And it's really interesting if you were to talk to my kids about what their belief is all those battles that i had that they heard me wrestle with they helped incorporate them into their own lives mm -hmm. yeah so my kids aren't wrestling with whether or not the universe is eight or the earth is eight billion years old mm -hmm. because they saw in my struggles that i've discovered it i don't care if it's eight billion days old i don't i don't think it's seven 24 hour days it never said that in the scriptures mm -hmm. so letting instead of hiding our doubts talking your doubts out with somebody is a really powerful leadership mm -hmm. thing to do yeah it's because it, if you feel like you don't have the answer the natural inclination for especially for me is to well you're gonna look like a fool right so you gotta have all the answers right and you're what you're saying is so true is that letting them see you come to the realization through your process of working that thing out is almost more valuable. Yeah. Well, it's definitely more valuable yeah, I than, think than it is. playing it off like you know everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because one day, Alice is going to come up to you and, and ask you the question, have you ever been really angry at God? Yeah. I mean, and yeah, and you're going to have to decide whether or not you're going to give them the church answer, you're going to give them the real answer, or yeah. the leadership answer. The leadership answer. I mean, it's, it's a lot. I deal with this with a lot with couples who, who had sex and children before marriage. Mm -hmm. that, that they will they'll say, well, I, can, I have no right to talk to my kids about having sex in high school because mm -hmm. me and their father did it and we had a kid out of wedlock, so I can't judge them. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a difference between judging and leading here. And it's like, well, I'm not qualified to lead on this because I made this mistake. It's yeah. like, no, oh, no, no, no. Just because you made a mistake doesn't disqualify your leadership on this issue. Right. right. Um, but most parents that I had found were not honest to their children about sex before marriage. Mm -hmm. I know so many people that smoke marijuana or smoked marijuana, not currently smoking it. <laughs> but to this day, their adult children don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's like, why wouldn't you share it with your kids? I mean, you, you, you walk through it, you came out the other side, you know, you feel like you made a mistake and that God led you in this other way. Why wouldn't you want to give that gift of leadership? Are uh -huh. you thinking you're, oh, you think by not telling them that you failed, that they won't make the same mistake? Forget that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I think, uh, sharing that you have doubts is not a bad thing and how you, you walk through them, but helping people resolve those mm -hmm. doubts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I, I know we're, we're out of time, but this is really what happens on that day with Jesus. And once you summarize the story of what happens with, with um, Thomas and, and Jesus. Yeah. 
I'll read it for you. So, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the, the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. Okay. All right. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. What a cool leader. He shows them that he is the same Jesus that was crucified. What's he doing? He's helping them remove any lingering doubts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and an imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Okay. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Okay, this is, this is exactly what Jesus wants us to do. You see, Thomas I mean, that Jesus allowed Thomas to have doubts and he doesn't scold him about mm. this. He doesn't beat him up about this. And if we have friends that, that have questions, it's like, hey, it's cool. Yeah, I don't know how Adam got, I mean, Noah got all those animals to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, one of the biggest biological issues about all those animals on there is how much poop they produced. Yeah. I've heard atheists say that if those, all those animals on there would produce the tonnage of poop or manure would have been so much it would have sunk any boat. So somehow God had to shut down pooping mm-hmm. for that, I don't know how many days it was, like 120 odd days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's like, yeah, that's an, interesting, that's an interesting idea. I guess, you know, if, if you're not going to yeah. believe in the risen Savior over poop on the ark, I mean, I'm not sure that's kind of <laughs> kind of equal, but I, I, I get yeah. that inquisition. But isn't it funny how God doesn't make fun of us for having these kinds of questions? And not only that, he, he says, Thomas, I know you have doubts. Um, he goes right over to Thomas and says, I've heard what you said. Remember when Thomas said, unless I see his hands and put my hand aside, Jesus wasn't in the room. Yeah. Physically. Yeah. Okay. So Jesus walks in the room and he's like, oh, I know what doubt you have. I don't even have to be in the room to know what doubt you have. Yeah. And not only that, I give you permission to have questions. Mm -hmm. And isn't it funny that in all this, Thomas never puts his finger in the hands Mm -hmm. or his hand in Jesus' side. Thomas immediately sees him and he says, my Lord and my God, and he falls to his knees. You know, it was just... I don't know. The oh, first of all, that what is it that was familiar to Thomas? It wasn't whether or not there were marks on his hands, because other people had marks on their hands. It wasn't the hole in the side, because other people had holes in their sides. I think it was the compassion of middle management leadership mm-hmm. that he found so reminiscent of his Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. It's like the way that he was being treated by Jesus spoke more than the nail holes or the, the hole in the side. Mm-hmm. So he challenges the lingering doubts. I think that's what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. So 
um, as we as we uh, end up tonight, a couple questions for you. Uh, if you're listening, is uh, ask yourself as a husband or wife, or as a parent, or as a friend, a Christian, um, are you trying to play, uh, be the head honcho, or are you doing the job of middle management? Do you desire the power of the bread, or would you rather connect people to God? Um, are you giving something for others to believe in? And what is it? And then personally, do I have any lingering doubts in my life that God wants me to resolve? Mm-hmm. All right, why don't you pray? Father, thank you so much that you do choose, like we said before, the foolish things of the world to confound the things of the wise. Thank you that you have given us such a great opportunity here, such a great um, place to be where we can connect people to the good Father, that we can we have all the answers that we need and, and that we have your Holy Spirit to give us guidance in them to connect people back to you. Help us with this. This is a challenge. It kind of goes against our culture, kind of goes against some of the way we um, were taught what success looks like and what leadership looks like, but thank you through your word that you have shown us exactly what it looks like. Help us this week. Help us to be able to, as, fa- as fathers, as mothers, as friends and coworkers, to be able to implement these things that we've learned Thank you for your love. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. I also would like to uh, invite people that you've got to watch this movie called The Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Paul, the Apostle of Christ, I think it is. Yeah. It's on Amazon. You can rent it for two ninety nine, And it has Jim Caviezel in it. Uh, and he doesn't play Jesus in this one. He's playing the Apostle Luke. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend you watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it will increase your faith. It is amazing. It's astounding. And... Um, which yeah. is which is good for a Bible movie. Yes. Yes. Absolutely astounding. Those words said about it. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good night, and thank you for joining us. Yes. Have a great week. <laughs>